Good evening. So this evening's Dharma talk is no hope. Is it no hope for results? No hope for results. That's just a rephrasing of, uh, I think it's the, the 28th uh, slogan in Atisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, which is a total of 59 slogans on relative and absolute bodhicitta. So, hmm. well, pretty difficult to do that, to give that up. We're always kind of thinking, well, I'm doing this. I wonder how that's doing. And we're, there's always some kind of a low level or high level, for that matter, uh, of evaluation going on, seeing how we're doing. Is this, uh, is this meditating? Is it working? I've been sitting block sitting once or twice a week, plus all the other sitting that I do. And I think it's changing. Am I getting better? Am I improving? Is there less neurosis? Is there... And so uh, there's a reason why it says, why the slogan says, just to, uh, no hope, give that up, give up the hope. I say, I just say no hope rather than say give it up. So if you already have hope, it's pretty hard to give it up. That being said, if you just say no hope, then it's already the case, excuse me. And the idea there is not that you might not have some kind of results. It's not that you might not have some reduction in your discursive thought, in your confusion, in your tendency to grasp or cling or, or fixate, but you are less likely to have some fundamental qualities like that arise if you're busy looking for them, because the spiritual path is not about uh, a big, long a string of collections of accomplishments or merit badges that put you closer and closer to Buddhahood or further along the path, even though it's sometimes described, uh, like the Ten Bhumis, um, describe the path of the Bodhisattva. I'm not disagreeing with that. I just don't use that particular teaching. Um, just doesn't look that way to me. So not that it might not look that way to you. So anytime there's any kind of hope for any result or any accomplishment or getting something else, if that is learning how to play the piano, how to study a language or something, you're probably going to have a strong uh, conceptual area where you can, where those so-called results really will manifest, and you will, and you will comparatively be doing better than you did three weeks ago, or so there's some kind of progress happening there. But on the spiritual path, as the way it's being presented here. Um, there may be some results, but they aren't going to show up in the way that you would expect them to. It's an interesting thing. If you have an idea about hoping for results, you're going to have an idea what those results are going to be. And with uh, the mundane path, probably could be pretty accurate there. You might find that you have more trouble learning to play the violin because of this or this or this that you didn't know about. Maybe your sense of um, rhythm or sense of... Uh, tone or something might be off in a way that you didn't expect. So you may be surprised about some of it. But as far as the spiritual path goes, setting up any kind of hope about anything and uh, a preconception of what you're hoping to get this or hoping to get that uh, is much more unlikely to come to the fruition that you are proposing to yourself or imagining how it might look if how it might look if I were awake. Um, we can experience that. Um, quite um, uh, viscerally when you have been meditating for a year, two years, three years, or maybe longer, and someone that you has been around you for quite a long time sees you get mad at something or gets, get upset with something. And because they're not a meditator, they have preconceptions or presumptions about based on hope, uh, based on how you should really be looking if you've been meditating. So they already have it all laid out for you because they're not practicing. They, they don't understand uh, the spiritual path as contrasted with the mundane path. And so, therefore, you have an understanding of it, but it's very difficult to say to someone when they say to you, what are you so upset for? I thought you've been, you've been meditating all these years. Are you doing it wrong? What's, you know, aren't you supposed to be more happy, peaceful, blissful, and so on? What do you say to that person? Not much you can say because their presumptions, their ideas about what you're up to are so so dense and so fixed that they're not even open to that. They just want to know what your excuses are for not being happy since you've been meditating. 
or perhaps you haven't experienced that, but I think all of us do somewhat. So it doesn't mean that something isn't going to change or uh, show up in a different way or that your negativity or your tendency to blame others or blame yourself, that those won't take on a different kind of tone or, ten, uh, or uh, tenor or a different kind of um, uh, gravitate to a different uh, bandwidth to continue to use that kind of a, uh, image. But it won't be what you expect necessarily. Maybe a little bit, but probably not. Uh, that's why it is, as we go along, it is so difficult, challenging uh, to evaluate how you're doing it all. This is why it seems to be necessary to have a strong form like the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. Otherwise, we would we would just stop. We would just give up because it's, it's so very difficult. The karma that you are working with is not just this lifetime. It is, you could call it lifetime after lifetime or after lifetime, or say that things are not fundamentally separate. So therefore, every lifetime that's ever happened you're not separate from. And some you're closer to than others. Uh, some of those areas are so incredibly complicated uh, that even if we did have the ability to go into deep levels of consciousness, which some people do, of course, uh, we wouldn't be able to make heads or tails of it. Those people who uh, have a, an ability to go into deeper levels of consciousness uh, aren't necessarily any, any less confused than anyone else. I'm sure you've noticed. Sometimes the confusion is more intense because more, more forms are moving up in the consciousness instead of the simple ones that are engendered by our relative circumstances, our interactions with people. There's all the other things that other people are able to sit on and cover up. Uh, those who are more porous in that regard are more susceptible. I've been doing this for a while, and I have met lots of people who deal with that kind of um, negativity in consciousness. Not something they created particularly. So the, in the classically in the text, it's translated as give up any hope of fruition. Um, just a, a slogan. Uh, teaches One of the teachers' slogans to say, just a way of working with it. Just give up that hope or don't particularly focus on looking for some kind of something that's happening so that you'll look better to others or so that you'll look better to yourself and so on. <clears throat> Pardon me. So as you probably know, when those kinds of ideas or that kind of uh, thinking process arises, like, how am I doing? How, how am I doing now compared to the way I was doing? And now that I'm meditating this much, or now that I'm living in a monastery, or uh, are the people living in the monastery uh, who are practicing much longer hours than I am, are they doing better than I am? Uh, would it be good for me to move to a monastery? Would things be more hopeful <laughs> if I moved to a monastery? And so perhaps and perhaps not. Uh, sometimes uh, it gets more intense to be in a highly concentrated uh, practice situation. It can become extremely intense. <clears throat> so it's a simple, uh, it's a, a simple um, statement or slogan. The whole idea of hope uh, is uh, is connected. It's opposite. It's polar opposite. Is fear. We have hope for something better and fear that that's not going to come about. So that's a simple contrast right there. And to uh, uh, to give those up might be uh, not such a helpful thing to use in a slogan. That's why I didn't just repeat the slogan because I just I just wanted to use uh, no, no hope, make a statement about it. So because giving up hope is um, um, that doesn't translate too well because it's a, it tends to set up another kind of polarity that again goes underground where we become the person who's given up hope. Uh, there's a, there's some kind of subtle credential can happen in that area where we've just given up on that. We're just going to give up hope. 
it seems we're always caught between those kind of polarities in one way or another, passion, aggression, and ignorance. I want it. I don't want it. Who cares? Sometimes the model of the seventh consciousness and the eight consciousness uh, consciousnesses of the Yogacara tradition describing the human consciousness and breaking it down in several ways. Um, sometimes that's a va valuable set of concepts for you to uh, contemplate, to identify those, starting out very simply, sense of touch, sense of taste, sense of smell, sense of hearing, sense of thinking, so on, sense of seeing. Very, very simply, they're, they're, they have a discrete quality to them and not too hard to separate the sense of touch from the sense of seeing. But there's an overlap that's happening there also. And, and in the seventh consciousness or the, the klesha mind, uh, that particular dynamic is broken up into four uh, um, views, view of self, pride of self, um, a self-reference, that everything is in reference to you. And then, uh, what's that other one I never can remember? Nobody ever helps me with that. You guys all know what it is. You just won't tell me. So anyway, you can even break it up into further layers uh, based on your experience. Uh, and that's when it, like the slogan we did, uh, slogan number what? What was it 23, 27, maybe 23? Uh, work on the greatest defilements first. Find out what, what your particular area is that you have the most difficulty with and uh, endeavor to work with that area first. And that could be something as simple as jealousy or it could be uh, the tendency to get depressed. Be a very good area to deliberately go into and to work with depression and, and to hope that you're not going to be depressed uh, seems like uh, it's very circular. The, the very dynamic itself is depressing to contemplate. So I can continue to talk, say more, but if there's questions, I, I wouldn't mind responding to questions. Like, hope the results is showing up. How is no hope already the case? Could you repeat that? I had my my volume wasn't very high when it started. Jeez, I'm dying. If it looks like we're hoping for results, how is no hope already the case? Well, if you don't, if you're if you're just here and you're just receiving whatever is happening, uh, you know it might be it might be no hope. It might be something more neutral than that. Um, quite often, uh, the no hope area is actually uh, shows up quite often when the when the ego is starting to come loose at the hinges, or starting to peel off around the edges, or the centrality or the central authority of ego starts to uh, get blurry or faded. Then um, sometimes there's a there's a feeling of hopelessness that comes up, and uh, you could call it. It's disappointing because the, the being that thought was optimistic and feeling pretty good and thought we're, we're getting somewhere. Finally, finally, I'm, I'm meditating. Finally, I'm getting somewhere. I found a way to work with all this. So there's something to be said for that. But there's also something to be said for uh, having uh, negativity arise and noticing that you're, you're not knocked over by the negativity in the sense that you've got to get rid of it. You're not uh, particularly affected by the uh, negativity in, in that you think there's uh, something wrong with you or something that has to be, as I said, gotten rid of or justified or validated or, or you need to find why that's happening. Did I, did I cover your question or did I misunderstand your inquiry? It was very helpful. Thank you. Kevin Bowing. Kevin. So, Kuzan, personally, I feel that it was some hope of feeling better that got me on the spiritual path to begin with, and I think that's probably common. What is it that keeps us on the path if there's no hope of improvement, Valley? <clears throat> very good, 
very good question. And and I, I also, I was in terrible straits when I stumbled into uh, uh, the Vidyatara and I met him. It was not a good situation I was in. And, uh, and so I actually started to have some hope just arising out of the contrast between what I was doing and I finally found something that maybe this would be helpful. So there was something like that going on. And of course, I was uh, heavily involved in spiritual materialism. The very thing was being described to me <laughs> by the book I was studying. Um, so um, I, I think that, that one begins to understand that uh, not uh, putting a lot of stock in the whole idea of hoping for something else, something else, something else. And instead, under, understanding that we just need to, wherever we're at, that's where this is. That's what we need to look at and work with, whether that be a feeling of hopelessness or, or a feeling of hope coming up. If a, a feeling of hope comes up, just watch that. Don't get rid of it because you need to be more hopeless. So not too much uh, manipulation. It seems to be more about awareness uh, in which uh, the, the, the space in which things occur, the awareness itself, rather than some kind of dynamic of being hopeful or not so hopeful or you know, terrified or unhappy or mad, all the other passion, aggression, and ignorance that arises. So all that being said, I would say it's going to be very individual with each person. Some people are may be aware of this tendency to want to be be hopeful and not really wanting to let go of that kind of a feeling. Other questions? Uh, John Bowing. Uh, what is the nature of the energy that gets us to go back on the cushion day after day after day after day? Yeah. So several things. One, it can be uh, just a, a, a strong commitment to it, uh, being inspired by the teacher, the teachings, or uh, the sangha, or some particular text, or some... Uh, it could be any, any number of things like that. And also just uh, um, just being determined to, to use this particular um, spiritual path as a way of uh, liberating yourself so you can see the chains of things that are tying you up in knots. And so uh, I think it comes from several places. One, one is uh, this, uh, this is one of the reasons that we have this book study every day and we have, and I give a couple talks a week because I know how important that was for me, for me, um, 30, 40, 45 years ago or so, to have, have a sangha, can have a community connection, have connection with the teachings themselves in, in those days in the form of books, mainly, rather than this kind of thing. And, uh, and a connection with the teacher. And I would only hear a Dharma talk maybe, oh, maybe, the most once a month because there was no internet and there was none of that. You would have to go, I would have to travel from here to Chicago to see. And then it wouldn't necessarily be my, by, uh, my teacher would be by one of his senior students and which was okay, but really wanted to hear from him. So in our situation, we've got something where we can come to this every day and, and be encouraged by it. <clears throat> I try to make myself as available as possible to people. And that is not something that I saw happening in the past. But you know, someone coming from the Tibetan tradition, which is hundreds and hundreds of years of tradition, and the Zen tradition, which is also hundreds and hundreds of years, whereas our situation is very new. It seems yeah. like um, hope has a quality of energy. And the fifth paramita, theory, sometimes is translated as energy. 
So what's the difference between that kind of energy and the hope energy? Hope has a hope has a, a hoper behind it, a person who's hoping for something else. Whereas uh, virya uh, uh, comes out of the bodhisattva vow, and it's just spontaneous, and there's no one doing it, and it's not necessarily going to happen uh, uh, three weeks after you receive that vow. It takes a while for that vow to get a hold of you. Any of the vows, the vow to be with all things, the bodhisattva vow, takes a while, and it it, it may never. Uh, fully um, uh, mature into uh, into into a kind of energy that is without a self. More about that if you have it. That's a good one. Close our mind. So if we're you know we're not awake, can we? Seems like we're, we're we're stuck with operating through the energy of what feels like hope. Yeah. So um, so it is about instead of saying uh, like it said in the like Atisha says or other teachers say give it up. I just I just say uh, no hope. So I don't. It doesn't become something that that you're trying to do to yourself. I would rather just say no hope. And that way, it's, it's more of a natural situation. Maybe there's some hope, maybe there's not. It's always about awareness of that, not about necessarily getting rid of anything. But if I say no hope, then you might come back and say, well, yeah, there is, there is quite a bit of hope. I do feel hopeful, or I do feel. So I wonder what he means by no hope. So just a little bit different way of talking about it. Does that make a little bit of sense to you, or is that still vague? Um, yeah, it does. I have another question, but I'm not sure what it is yet. It has yeah. to do with hope and fear. Yes. So that's a just a basic polarity. Um, hope for something and fear that you won't get it. It's just a simple way of using that. But then there's all kinds of various ways that shows up. Fear of uh, uh, fear of dying and hoping that you'll live. Uh, one of the one of the uh, uh, slogans, I can't remember which one, is uh, part of it is, uh, it's better for me to be sick, let me be sick. It's better for me to get better, let me get better. It's better for me to die, let me die. It's, it's not some kind of uh, voluntary uh, pessimism. It's just, it's just being, being with causes and conditions as they r r arise without any strong preference for some kind of... Uh, continuation of anything not not something it's uh when we read the slogan it's like you read that and you say i don't know if i can do that i don't know if i can do that but you could consider it you could when it's since it's always about awareness when you read the slogan when you contemplate the slogan one of the parts of the awareness is noticing how i don't want to do that when i first heard about the bodhisattva vow which was quite a long time ago i thought who would want to do that why would you want to save all beings? They're all a bunch of, uh, well, the polite word would be stumble bones. Go ahead. Um, is there something that we lose by giving up hope? Bond? So as I said, I don't say so much give up hope. I'm just saying no hope. So rather than take it to something, I'm going to just going to give up hope. Uh, I just think the the way it's phrased is too is too confusing because you can't really give up hope. You're always going to have, have hope. So be aware of of how much clinging and how much grasping is going on there. Hope is a is a, the preamble to any kind of grasping. The actual grasping might be fixated on it, so then the hope might be hoping that the that your goal does not get away from you. More? When you're bowing, um, there's something that feels um, fictitious for me about hope. Like, I hope I don't get the COVID virus. It's almost like the, the a magical thinking 
so are we, if we don't have that kind of an attitude, are we, um, I guess that's what I'm asking, are we giving up something? Well, you could just say, I prefer not to get the COVID virus. Problem solved. <laughs> but sure, we're not saying, we're not necessarily saying bring on the COVID virus. It's just, it's trying to uh, see through the thought process, through the thinking, through the the peregrinations that go on in the mind is trying to find some kind of, without throwing everything out or going to some kind of eternalism or nihilism, just trying to find some kind of a reasonable balance. Uh, as it said, better for me to be sick or let me be sick. Better for me to get well, let me get well. Better for me to die, let me die. So it's just a way of, of uh, uh, a kind of a way of just affirming that you're, you're not, you're not going to be at war with anything. This doesn't mean that, uh, that you're going to just voluntarily die or kill yourself or not eat or something. It just means that you're 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 endeavoring through the thought process, through the thinking processes, which was which is very biased. You're going in and you're bringing your 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 you are um, softening that whole area uh, that wants right and wrong and wants this. It doesn't want that. And the whole uh, pref preferential situation that is run by the ego. You're just bringing in some kind of a and just softening that area up a little bit with, with a, you could call it some equilibrium or equanimity. Might be a little bit artificial, but even the Bodhisattva vow is artificial. The vow to be with all things is like, what? I can't do that. How am I going to do that? So it is about the vow. Everyone here, if you receive the Bodhisattva vow, it's completely different. No two people, this person or anyone here who's received that vow shows up vastly different for each person. And again, I would say there's no correct way, there's no incorrect way. So if you're as a, if you feel like someone is, if, you, if you're practicing and you have other Sangha members around, you think somebody's uh, breaking their vow, you better look at your own vow. There's no way you can break this vow. Once you receive this vow, let me put it very bluntly, you're screwed because it will just keep showing up and keep showing up because of the power of the lineage, the power of all the beings who have received this vow down through the centuries. It's powerful. It's not separate. You can't get off this train. So I highly recommend that you don't get on it. Unless you have to. Yes. If we have taken this vow, to put others first, what does progress in that area look like? If, if, if the progress arises, not out of some kind of hope for progress, but if you just notice that it's a very simple thing. You just notice you're less preoccupied with your with what's happening with you and you're more concerned with how others are doing. And that can show up in so many ways that you're not going to cause you to go into nursing. Uh, it might it might cause you if you're a nurse to get the hell out of that situation because that's all about money and control. Not to say that nurses don't help people, of course they do, but there's a whole lot of money happening in there with huge corporations. So I'm saying you the, the conventional way of looking at, at that it could show up just the opposite of what one would expect. You might find another way to uh, help others. Good question. Go ahead. How, Go ahead. How can we endeavor to help others without hope of helping them? <laughs> Let's see. Just to open. So I, I follow what you're saying. So, uh, but I'm saying it's not about getting rid of hope. When I say no hope, uh, that brings our attention, your attention, my attention, all of our attention to what what is hope? What is it when we we're doing something and we hope that something else happens, or we hope something gets better, something improves? So it's not so much about getting rid of that, but bringing our attention to that. So in such a way that, and if you try to get rid of it, then it could the, the, that kind of uh, the energy around the dynamic we call hope can go underground and show up in a different kind of way. So I would just say, just be aware of the hope. Be aware that whatever's happening, you kind of want something else. 
This is a this is a second noble truth of the Buddha wanting things to be different than they are. It's not that, that there, there's going to have to be some of that, but quite often that is overdone, and we put a lot of energy into that uh, situation, and then we look for promises, we look for guarantees. It seems like a lot of my actions come out of hope, like thinking that I may improve a situation. If I can see that dynamic happening, should I stop that action? Doesn't it tracks? I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't do anything with it. Just, just, just be aware. You, you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. And I, I like questions around this. It's a very easy to misunderstand what's what's being said here. What I'm endeavoring to say or help people with is uh, don't improve. Don't improve. You you may improve, but allow the improvement to happen spontaneously and within the context of your given situation, however you want to say it, your community, don't, don't, don't get better than others. Meet people where they're at. If you meet people where they're at, you're going to get your feet dirty because some people live in the dirt, figuratively speaking. So if you're going to help others, you're going to have to meet them where they're at. And if you're trying to protect yourself from being, contaminated like this whole virus situation and uh, it's a different kind of contamination kevin bowing so kazan when you say don't get better does that also point the, the way that we want to get better being dictated by our ignorance i would say there's something to that our idea, our model, our standard for improvement is a, has more of a of a, uh, a conditional or materialistic approach of being kinder, being. Uh, and it's not that that couldn't happen, but when it becomes the project of relative, then it becomes uh, materialism or spiritual materialism, as Trump or Rinpoche tried to tried to point out in his uh, book, cutting through spiritual materialism. It's not that that situation might that might also show up as a part of your uh, life situation also. I mean, it could show up just by training the mind, just by being aware of what's coming and going. Your, your natural, your true nature, your Buddha nature uh, then becomes, uh, uh, you could say, liberated from ideas and opinions and judgments and cultural validations and cultural uh, confinement of belief in this and disbelief in that. It's all over. It's a, it's a terrible situation right now that's happening all over in our culture. It certainly has its pluses, but it has some really strong negatives also. Kevin Bowing, so if I don't have hope around how I show up as a result of my spiritual path, but to an outside person who has no experience of what I'm doing, I look like I'm getting crazier. Mm -hmm. How does my my willingness to be crazy save all beings because you're fundamentally not separate from anyone and you're no longer trying to be special you're, you're finally going to be yeah you're finally going to be who you are be genuine don't miss your life be genuine you may be a uh, you may be difficult for some people to be around and you may be a, a lot more easy for other people to be around. And you may not be able to pick and choose those people. It, it, but it's, uh, it's very much conditionally arisen. And you can, you can awaken within that kind of a uh, uh, balance or equilibrium where, where you're no more picking and choosing. This doesn't mean you won't have negative feelings show up or, and, and, and then go away and then come back again and knock on the door uh, a little bit later, looking for somebody who who will be the person who feels that way. You can have a negative feeling with no identity happening. And, and it's, I could say that, that that situation can be even more intense than as if there's some kind of identity trying to get rid of it or some kind of identity trying to justify it, aggression, passion, or some kind of identity trying to distract themselves. I don't feel like that. I'm, I'm done with that. I'm not going to think about I'm just not going to think about that rather than the person or the identity or the consciousness that is just, just sees that, feels that, 
tastes that, smells that, thinks that, just that, just that. Not easy. Thank you. Thank you. Maria Bowling. Does no hope uh, have quality of surrounding or resignation to what is? Bowling. I think that there are people who teach that way, but I don't. I, I so the way I talk about it is just just watch what happens. Just see what happens. You don't have to be with it. There isn't anybody. You don't have to surrender to it. There is no one to surrender. So I say, you hear me say, many less is better, unless it comes to sitting, in which case more is better. Sit down, hold still. More stillness, less movement. More sit down, even if it seems artificial, for one person can sit, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 hours a week, and another person can sit three hours a week. And the person sitting three hours a week, their meditation is just as important and just as powerful as that one sitting long, long hours. The important thing is what? Practice. That's the important thing. I know people who practice long, long, long hours in there, and they're still, um, uh, how shall I say it politely, insane. How's that? It's a very conditional in insanity, and it's a very reasonable insanity, but they're, uh, they're, they are insane in the sense that they think things are real that are not. If you think something's real, crazy. If you think something's unreal, crazy. Take no position. And even taking no position is a position. If you take the position of no position, crazy. Questions are good. Come and get me. When you say crazy, what do you mean by crazy? Mm, insane. <laughs> well, I can't say that because I'm not a... What are those, what do they call those, uh, you know, psychiatrists? Yeah. I can't really say that. I'm just saying it's a, out of, as far as society, as far as the norm, so-called norm, kind of out of balance in that area. Kind of not, 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 not really contained by the rules and regulations that most of the society is adhering to or believes is true or right or correct. This doesn't mean they're going out harming people or robbing people. It means that their their understanding is coming out of uh, conditioned arising. They're, they're no longer a separate being. They may function as a Dharma teacher. They may not. They may just continue to come and pick up your garbage once a week. Optimism different than hope? Wow. So, could be a little bit, might be similar. I know mean, it's two different words. So, hope seems to be something that you want something else, whereas optimism, you could say it's hopeful or it's optimistic because things are going to be work out okay. Uh, there's a lot of silly examples of optimism. You probably have all heard all of those. But you don't need. You don't even need optimism. You don't need pessimism. You don't need optimism. You don't need. You don't even need Buddhism. You don't need anything. Yes. Um, question from Aaron Overton. Aaron Overton. Where's Aaron Overton from? I don't know. He asks, is giving up hope giving up expectations? I don't know. 
So expectation is more of a, a little bit of a grasping uh, situation where the hope has a more of a broader expanse to it. Expectation is more deliberate and pointed. Not that hope can't be that way also, but the expectation uh, uh, may be more of, a, of, a, of an idea of how something should happen. But then again, the more I talk about it, I would say, yeah, probably. Similar, similar situation, different kinds of words. Some, sometimes one word may apply more directly or concretely to that situation than others. Is hope for results attaching to fulfillment? Yes. would be. So again, as I've already said, it's not It's not so much that's why I'm not saying give up hope. I just say no hope. But saying that, you're going to notice that you have hope. Not about giving it up particularly. Just notice that. Just notice that. Nothing, if you just, whatever arises in your mind stream, nothing with it. It can't last because it gets its sustenance, gets its, gets nurtured by being opposed, by being agreed with or explained or being shut down on, because the momentum of cause-dependent origination is already functioning. But if it arises and you do nothing with it, then uh, this is called freedom. You're not free from something so much as you're just basically free. You're no longer enchained by the, uh, as Nagarjuna said in the first century, by the, the cage of your uh, afflictions. Afflictions might still be there, but they can't find you. It might still operate because you're born at this particular day and time and year, and you're, you know, Mars is crossing your ascendant, pretty much screwed. You can't get out of something into something else. You can't be a special person who's, well, now that I'm enlightened, uh, I guess I'm over and above all this petty stuff. No, you still can get, uh, you still can lose a lot of money to casino. Stay out of there. I mean, you're not free of causes and conditions. You just have a much more clarity about what's coming and what's going. Take a couple more questions if you have them. Yes. Thinking about the paramita of virya or selfless energy, and um, thinking about not only hope but fear. Seems like even to get started on the path, we want to, you know, we hope for something better. We hope to see what this is. We hope not to feel bad, or we're fearful of death or circumstance. If it wasn't for that hope and fear, we wouldn't. We would just be doing whatever something else. What's your question? So, is there? How does? How does that energy change into selfless energy? So, by watching anything, uh, whether it's the mind stream or the inside your mind, so-called outside your mind, so-called, by just watching, don't accept it, don't reject it. Or shut down or distract yourself from it. Eventually, over time, it takes, it's called practice. Just keep practicing. And you will eventually see, there's no guarantee, but more than likely, if you're no longer obstructing your wisdom mind by burying it in causes and conditions of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, life and death, you're, there's a living being uh, happening here, but you're not separate from anything. Living being is just a, end of the uh, uh, census. You're just picking this all up. But who you are is not, not does not have a location. Nor is it without a location. So it's always not two. So it's about the awareness that actually begins to transcend the relative situation without abandoning it or thinking that 
I'm done with that. That's the profane. I'm going into the sacred. Now, the sacred and the profane are not separate from each other. But it has to be done through one's awareness, through one's understanding, through one's prajna, through one's wisdom mind, with one's wisdom mind. And that may be watching in your particular life, watching hope come and go, watching you, watching the hope rise up. Do nothing with it. You don't have to improve. I'm not saying there might not be some improvement, but you could just watch that also. The, the gaining idea is the difficulty. Questions are good, please. Make make so this. Now, make so this, you, you mentioned ahead. sacred and profane. I did. I thought you did. Relative and ultimate. So a relative, ultimate situation, no hope, maybe you could say. Relatively, relative function, can we be without hope and fear? You can. Is that what you want? I don't know. <laughs> I think the way you pronounce that is, mm. So don't don't abandon all beings. You don't enter the Bodhisattva. She doesn't enter Nirvana and abandon all beings. Come come and get me, my friends. And when I say that, you know what I'm saying. Come and must have questions about this. Ask. Okay, we can close. Um, William has a question. He said, this probably yeah. seems like a silly question. I hope it is silly. But what are we? I can tell you what we are in two words but it may not serve to help you with your question because I understand your question. We're not separate. That's what we are. We're not separate. The separations are incredibly strong and strong tensions and everything. And you can join one of those tense sides and feel really alive until you die. You can feel that. Or you can see what this is. And all the warfare just falls apart. Everything falls apart because you don't see anything but this, wherever you look. Everywhere you look, you see yourself. Everywhere you look, you see the Buddha. Every, everything you hear is the teaching of the Buddha. Not separate, not separate. Everything is dependently arisen. There's no self in the skandhas. Form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. There's no solid being there. You can realize that yourself. It's not something to believe in. I would say you don't believe anything. Don't believe, don't disbelieve, don't ignore. Don't believe, don't disbelieve, don't ignore. Find out, find out. That's a great question. Find out. So if, if, I were to, if I were to tell you, you wouldn't believe me. I, mean, I just told you, we're not separate. And I don't even want you to believe that. Don't believe anything I say. I'm just out for your money. You got it, Eddie? So when I say don't believe, don't disbelieve, don't look away, I know that's kind of a, seems kind of odd maybe, but you could actually work with that. Look at the things that you believe are true. Look at those. Look at the things that you actually would say, I don't believe that. Don't do that. I'll throw nothing out. Don't get rid of nothing. Ignore, don't, don't ignore anything. And, and also don't necessarily buy into something or accept something. Just because I say it, don't believe it. As I sometimes say, I don't want any followers. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. There's no, there's no traveler. On, uh, on the other hand, and on the same hand, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep talking? Why do I have this uh, jumpsuit on? It's a vow I received some time ago called the Bodhisattva vow, the vow to be with all things. That vow is just not one person taking it. When you, when you receive that vow, you're going to find out. If you don't find out now, you'll probably find out before you pass out of the, the this uh, 
uh, out of this uh, situation you're in now back into the elements. You'll probably find out you you can't receive that vow and and uh, and not be serious about it. You will be held to that vow by by who? By your own Buddha nature. That's why it's so powerful. That's why lineage, the bloodline, is so powerful. Not a belief system. There's nothing to believe. Question. No questions. Choiceless. Yes, please. What is the relationship between consciousness and karma? Well, conscious, consciousness is a concept that refers to what we call this open dimension where various uh, sense fields and their objects arise. And karma is a, is a the, the Sanskrit word, basically it's, it refers to action, action, reaction, cause and effect, those kind of things. Uh, and in consciousness, there, there is no, uh, the whole idea of this causing that um, is a misunderstanding. That happens in this physical world where this, this coming through the air causes that sound, cause and effect. And the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the materialistic mind is uses that to, to praise and blame. Well, this caused that, or you did that, and I did this, I'm doing that, and, I, and it's, it's an, a, an intense elaboration called dependent origination that looks like lots of parts. And so karma is just a word that, that is used to track that cause and effect situation. Like sometimes when someone says you have bad karma, it's my bad karma. I'm not, I'm not taking away from that. I'm not saying that there isn't something like that going on. But it is much more profound and vast than just a simple cause and effect between this and that, which tends to reify or reinforce separate separateness. There's no first cause. There's no source of the causes for anything. Maria Bowing. You, you said today during the daily Dharma gathering that the consciousness is always finding its form. Um, uh, yes, guys, what I said, what, no, let, let me say what I said. All right. Consciousness always finds its own form. That's what I said. Now you can ask your question. Um, I'm wondering whether. So the, my question is, uh, is it the consciousness molded to us when we are born? Yeah. I, thought, I heard you yeah. saying something similar, so I'm just looking for it's, for some it's clarification. A, it's a way. It's just a way of talking about it. We're not sure exactly what happens, but it's it's a way that I talk about it. We're here, we're born, and then somehow we the consciousness becomes downloaded into us or you could say it the other way around that the, the consciousness was there all along and the body mind came up and and turned it into a, a, a so-called physical dynamic however you look at it, it doesn't matter you can't find any directionality in that if you do then i'm not saying you can't find something but it's an imputation rather than something that's fundamentally true so consciousness go ahead please So I'm, I'm just curious whether it is both that at the moment when we are that there is consciousness and karma which are downloaded to us since we are rich. I could speculate, but so could you. I would say just observe and that which you need to know will show up. Just observe. My way of talking about it is consciousness always finds its own form because I see that consciousness, uh, awareness, or however you want to say that, is not uh, has no status as, uh, as some kind of a thing. So therefore, it can manifest anywhere. It, it is not separate from this, not separate from this, or from this, from this, not separate. It certainly looks like it, though, doesn't it? So that causes war and peace. Yes. Question from Jessica. She asks, um, is there more to see clearly once someone has realized no self? Is that the fundamental awakening? The fundamental awakening is no self. 
and then that goes on into no other. There's no one here and there's no one out there. But that doesn't mean that you stop functioning and you act like no one exists or uh, like you don't exist. It's just that there's no solid identity. It's the identity that's the difficulty. And Tanya from Kalamazoo has a question. Tanya. But if someone has no hope? Has no hope? Well, what if someone has no hope? I sound like it'd be pretty hopeless. Should I say something more about that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what she's asking me. Someone has no hope. There's lots of ways of talking about that. You can have no hope and the next thing you know, you're ending your life. Or you can have no hope and and have uh, uh, be at the end of your rope, so to speak, and end up drinking to try to cover it up, or you could end up gambling, or you could end up uh, doing any number of things, drowning yourself in something else. So when we say, when we talk about no hope, when I talk about no hope, I'm not talking about someone uh, because of their, the situation that they're in, the, their desperation or the mind state that they're in or the causes and conditions that have arisen as the, how they were treated by their family or what happened three lifetimes ago. I'm not saying that that can't show up as feeling hopeless, but that's not the kind of uh, hope I'm referring to. I'm talking about some kind of grasping situation for something else, hope for something else, hoping for results. Josh yeah. Brown asks, as society continues to polarize and expand ego, how do we be with beings who are full of hope and fear? Be with this being, not this guy. Be with the being when you, when you, one of the times you're always alone is in the bathroom. Well, unless you have friends that help you out. But I'm saying you're alone. You're just alone. We're always alone. Even if we're in a group of people, sometimes it's an incredible feeling of being alone. Don't, don't throw that out. Don't cover that up with anything. I'm not going to say that you need to enjoy being lonely, particularly, but you can you can understand that that aloneness is really powerful. This is what we do when we when we leave everyone in our cultural situation and our family situation. Say, see you later. Let's go in the in your meditation room or your ba bedroom or wherever you go. Sit down and train your mind. You're alone, you can't really train your mind uh, by interacting with others, even if they're psychologists or therapists or whatever. Not that you can't be helped some, of course you can. It's like 12-step uh, programs are, can be very, some people that's the only thing they can do is that kind, they're not, they can't do the kind of practice that we're doing here. And they need to do that kind of thing. Millions of people in the world, billions. Not everybody is going to be able to sit down and just watch the mind and watch the mind, watch the mind come and go and come and go and come and go without objecting without agreeing, without shutting down. I think we can Very good. We can dedicate the merit. To, the we're going to do that in the, in the monastery. Yes. Thank you. And don't forget our um, virtual all day this Saturday. Yes, all day. Starting at 9 o'clock, I think. Check our website. Que siempre seas feliz. <laughs> I did it good? Okay. Que siempre seas feliz. I tried to do the Polish one today, but uh, Maria said I kind of goofed up the word in the center. So I'm not going to try. I'm going to practice that three or four hundred times before I say that again and embarrass myself. I just, I just really hope I can get it right next time. I really hope so. Here we go. Oh, they didn't turn. Oh, there it is. That's better. Oh.
ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna, Paramita. Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Come down out of the light and protect Sotapoti Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. 